KMOX Sports. Young swings and that's a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. It is our final program in the 2022 calendar year. We welcome you in to another edition of Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley, taking you for the next two hours. We have a full show tonight, as we should, for the final program of the year. We take you till 8 o'clock. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so. 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. Or if you just rather tweet at me, you can do that as well. Find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We've got a busy program coming up uh, here over the next uh, two hours. The number of guests going to be on, including uh, Howard Richards, is going to uh, join us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk uh, Mizzou football. We'll talk a little Mizzou basketball with him as well. Later on, on this hour, SIUE men's basketball coach Brian Baroni is going to join us. They opened up conference play yesterday with a victory. They've won nine of their last 11 games. They're a really good team. And uh, we'll talk with uh, Coach Baroni later on this hour. We will hear some of the comments from earlier today from Blues coach Craig Barubi after they pick up a win yesterday. More on that in a moment. Stu Durando from the Post-Dispatch and STL today. We'll talk with him about uh, St. Louis basketball. Billkins back at tomorrow coming off the holiday break as they are going to open up a 10 play. And Jerry Palm is going to join us at 7.35. He covers college football and college basketball for CBS Sports. We'll talk some uh, college football playoffs and college basketball with him as well. All coming up. Let's start, though, with the Blues. They get a nice win yesterday, knocking off Chicago by a 3-1 score. So that ends a three-game losing streak. So now the question is, do they go on a winning streak? Because that's what their season has been. Losing streaks followed by winning streaks, followed by losing streaks, so on and so forth. Chicago's a bad team. Chicago is a bad team. The Blackhawks might be the worst team in the NHL. So they should win that game. What I found notable in that game, first off, we saw a goal from Callie Rosen. That's important, and I want to be clear, like, Offense and defense are two very different things. And with Tory Krug out right now, when you look at what the Blues want to do from a defenseman standpoint, you want guys out there that can defend. And Rosen is going to be the first guy to get probably the most extra playing time as a result of the Krug injury. Scored a goal. So, again, you separate offense from defense, but that's that's a contribution. That's a good thing. So it was, uh, it was good to do that, see that. Jordan Bennington was not asked to do much last night. He only had to stop 21 shots, but he stopped 21 shots, and uh, he gives up just the uh, one goal. You also saw goals from uh, Josh Levo. feels like he continues to uh, contribute kind of in different kind of ways. Uh, Brendan Saad also scoring uh, for the Blues last night. That was an empty netter right at the end of, uh, con- of the contest. I didn't realize this. I-, I mean, the Blackhawks have been bad for a while, for a good number of years here. The Blues have really dominated them. St. Louis is 9-0-2 in their last 11 games against the Blackhawks. That is the longest point streak against Chicago in franchise history. They have outscored the Blackhawks in that period 38-18. to So over 11 games, they have outscored them by 20 goals, and they have won uh, five straight. So uh, the Blues have a good success against the Blackhawks. And you know what? If the Blues are not going to be playing great 
if the season's going to be, I, I think I think it's fair to say so far this has been a little bit of a disappointing season for the Blues. If they're not going to play great, if the season's going to be disappointing, well, then I think we can all can come together and say, well, at least just beat the Blackhawks. If you're not going to do anything else, just beat the Blackhawks, and that's what they were able to do last night. Blues are back at tomorrow evening. They're going to wrap up this uh, three-game homestand as they take on Minnesota. That's going to be a 5 o'clock puck drop coming up tomorrow at the Enterprise Center. You just... I look at the schedule, and again, they're going to go on another uh, long road trip. So it feels like they've had some extended time away from St. Louis. They had the five-game trip uh, right around the holidays where they went to Edmonton and Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, and Vegas. They come home for three, and now they're going to go back on the road for four straight when they're going to match up against Toronto, New Jersey, Montreal, and uh, Minnesota. So... Uh, but they've got some homestands coming up. In fact, they've got a really long homestand uh, from January 10th until January 24th. They're going to play one, two, three, four, five, six. They're going to play seven straight games at home during that period. So that's going to be a really important time for this team because I'm, I'm, I'm always hesitant to talk about the playoffs. I'm hesitant to talk about the standings because the bottom line is they're fine. It's early enough in the season that unless you are just completely, completely, completely buried, you're fine. And they're not completely buried here at the moment. Uh, Seattle is holding the final playoff spot in the West right now. They have 40 points with 33 games played. The Blues have 37 points with uh, 36 games played. So the Blues have three less points than Seattle, and they have played three more games. So that's not great, but that there's nothing insurmountable about that. They're fine. They're going to be in good shape. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're fine. And they, if they play well, they're going to be a playoff team. The question is, can they play well? The question is, can they find some level of consistency? Because that is the thing that has been missing so far this year, but a win yesterday against Chicago, that is a good thing. Again, uh, coming up the rest of this hour, a couple guests, we're going to be joined by uh, Howard Richards in just a moment or so, as uh, we'll talk uh, Missouri uh, football or Missouri basketball with him. And then, now, Brian Baroni, the head coach of uh, SIUE men's basketball, he's going to join us at uh, 635 after they opened up uh, Ohio Valley Conference play with a win yesterday. And overall, they have won nine of their last 11. We'll take a break and have more in just a moment. It's a Friday night edition, our final 2022 edition of Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Line does roll on here on a Friday night, our final 2022 edition of the program, taking you until 8 o'clock this evening. Tell you what, it's a great time right now for Missouri basketball, Missouri football. They finished off their season in their bowl game. They've got some work to do this offseason going into next year. To talk all things Mizzou athletics, we're very happy to welcome on to the program uh, Howard Richards. You hear him as part of the uh, Missouri Radio Network. Howard, thank you so much for your time. How are you? I'm doing fine, Matt. Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to everyone listening in today. Yeah, Happy New Year. I want to start with football with you. Uh, the Tigers lose their bowl game. There was, there was a you know, generally bowl games are kind of they don't uh, unless it's a one of the big bowls or you know the college football playoff. There's not a lot of emotional reaction to it, but there were a lot of Tiger fans who were pretty upset that offensively Missouri couldn't do more down the stretch to find a way to win that game. What do you take away from that? Where generally bowl games don't mean that much, but felt like maybe that one meant something. Well, I thought it was a, an opportunity to showcase, you know, where the program, uh, how the program had progressed, you know, from the start of the season to the end against 
uh, Wake Forest, a program that Missouri had never faced in football at all uh, in the history of, of the two programs. Um, unfortunately, um, for Missouri fans, uh, it just you know was not a, a, a good showing. I mean, Missouri had a chance, was able to come back and take a brief lead, but uh, the Tigers were missing too many key pieces, um, especially on defense, in order to uh, get back in the game and secure a lead and, uh, and hopefully run out the clock with uh, with a win. Uh, it's unfortunate, but listen, this is the way it is in, in college football. The landscape of college football has changed with um, you know players that are deciding that they're going to move on and, and enter their names into the draft and opt out of uh, playing that final bowl game. Um, it's unfortunate, but listen, it's just the way it is here. Uh, uh, but give me you know, my hats off to Wake Forest. Uh, they played a solid game. Uh, their quarterback, Hartman, um, is, is an outstanding uh, prospect, if you will. Um, he's more than a prospect. He's, he's, he's a, he had a really good senior year. And, and as you know, it's been announced that he's going to transfer to a team that's playing right now, uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So, um, you know, it, listen, it is it is what it is. There are a lot of things, though, going forward into the 2023 season for Mizzou fans to, I think, be excited. First and foremost, from the offensive standpoint, let's look at Brady Cook. Um, he finished the year, I think, pretty strong. I think he went the last five, six games without throwing an interception. Um, you know, that, that speaks a lot to his maturity and how he – was able to grasp the offense. Now, that said, offensively, uh, everything start up front. You've got to rebuild the offensive line. Uh, it's got to be much more strong than it was this season. There are too many penalties, too many um, tackles for loss given up, um, too many hits on the quarterback. That's got to be an area that has to be shored up. Uh, you got to be able to replace the production uh, of Dominic Lovett, who has uh, moved on to the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, you got to see a, a young man like Luther Burden. He's got to take the next step. Uh, he, had a, he had a decent first year, uh, but more expectations are going to be of him in 2023. So he has to take a big leap. Um, you know, I, I like to see the Missouri program develop and, and start to evolve and utilize the tight ends more. I think if you do that, you are able to, uh, you know, put pressure on the defenses and take pressure off your receivers. Uh, and then these young running backs, uh, I think someone's got to step up and uh, take the next step also. So that's the offense. <laughs> the defense um, played, you know, outstanding football for most of the season. Finished strong. Obviously, in the bowl game, there were guys that, that opted out. Three of the top players on defense, Mar Martez Manuel, Isaiah McGuire, and DJ Coleman. Uh, have all moved on. They're going to the NFL, uh, so they weren't in the bowl game. But he had a chance to see some other guys that, that stepped up. And, you know, the future, I think, uh, is bright as they go through and become starters next season. Chad Bailey played an outstanding football game at linebacker, and he looks like the, the, the next coming of uh, a player that has developed in this program. Uh, he looked like a young Nick Bolton. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Uh, glad to see guys like Chris Abrams Drain and Ennis Rakestraw coming back to the program. Uh, so I think, you know, with that secondary, and if you can get develop the, uh, the guys up front, the guys that are returning, uh, you can have another outstanding season on defense. Um, so that's my evaluation. Um, we're going to see more of Sam Horn with Brady Cook 
uh, undergoing surgery this week for a torn labrum that has been plaguing him since the second game of the season. Uh, Sam Horn is going to have plenty of time to develop in this offense uh, since he's basically going to be the guy uh, in spring ball without Brady Cook there. So he should get, you know, tons of reps. Um, he should get plenty of opportunities to, to really absorb the offense uh, and take a, uh, take a step also. Does that make Cook's performance during the season maybe that much more impressive that he was really fighting a pretty major injury most of the season? You know, I would say so. Um, few people knew that uh, what he was dealing with. Uh, it wasn't necessarily obvious to me. I mean, there are times when, you know, I thought that he could have made better throws. Um, as it turns out, I think, it, you know, the, those throws that he couldn't make uh, were a direct reason, you know, uh, or can be directly attributed, I should say, to that um, that torn labor. Um, so I'm excited to see what he, what Brady Cook will do. A lot of times you'll make, you know, from the, the first year as a starter, you can make a big jump going into your second season as a full-time starter. So I think there's hope there. Um, and, you know, Brady Cook has, has fought, uh, you know, the, the Mizzou naysayers for, you know, for some time now. A lot of people don't think that he's the guy uh, that can get it done. But let's look at a healthy Brady Cook and see what he's capable of doing. He certainly is a smart guy. Uh, Use his legs to uh, really, I think, help this offense a lot down the stretch. Now, if he can get it together, you know, with what he's learned from year one as a starter and going into year two, a healthy Brady Cook, um, I'm kind of excited to see what, what he's going to do also. What's your expectation in terms of what Coach Drinkwitz is going to do uh, with the offensive staff bringing in a potential offensive play caller, his involvement in that? I mean, that seems to be maybe the biggest question of this offseason. Well, the expectation is offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator or not, this offense has to evolve. Uh, I think it has become uh, a bit predictable. Um but it's you've got to throw in more wrinkles um, for this team, and you know offensively they have to have more production. Uh, but it's again it has to start up front. You're not going to evolve or progress unless you have a consistently productive offensive line. So whether you you know whoever you bring in from a recruiting standpoint, although I wouldn't count much on um, freshmen. Um, I think maybe the transfer portal is the answer. Uh, if you could do it with uh, the way you did it on defense uh, for 2022, uh, there's an opportunity, I think, to find experienced players um, in the transfer portal along the offensive line, guys that have played a lot of games and guys that can fit into your system. So I'm hopeful that uh, that is something, regardless of who's going to be lining up at the first game, Uh, throughout game 12 next season. I'm hopeful that um, they play far better than they played this season. Talking all things Mizzou Athletics with uh, Howard Richards. Let's shift gears, talk basketball. One loss, it came to to, uh, Kansas. They just beat Kentucky uh, at home this past week to open up SEC play. They obviously got the big win uh, against Illinois. It has really come together for Coach Gates very, very quickly. And we'll see what happens during league play. It's tough to play in the SEC uh, game after game after game. But how impressed have you been with what they've been able to do so far this year? I've been extremely impressed. So much was uh, said about the easy schedule, um, and people didn't think that this team could be prepared to play and beat teams like, you know, ranked teams like Illinois and Kentucky, especially um, in less than one week. 
But this is what Dennis Gates um, has always been about. And he has gone out and found the players that understand the type of program that he's going to run offensively and defensively. He found guys that are experienced, uh, more mature, um, guys that are selfless and play very well uh, with each other. You know, no one's out there trying to pad their stats. Um, and I, I think it's just been an exciting season. Um, the, the development of Kobe Brown, you know, has taken the next step as the leader of this team, um, at least for now. You know, two back-to-back 30-plus games. Um, but he has he has just been, I think, he's taken on that leadership role and has been, um, you know, he's the face of this program right now. But everyone, I think, has uh, really produced – in their respective roles on this team. You know, the type of defense that this team plays, you know, picking up full court or or half court, three-quarter court, teams have not been able to get comfortable in their half court offenses uh, because this Missouri defense is just smothering. I mean, they just pretty much uh, stupefied Illinois. Uh, Illinois couldn't get anything going, couldn't get any type of momentum uh, in the bragging rights game. And similarly, uh, Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, I don't think they had the same expectations that Missouri could, um, could, could, could play the type of defense consistently throughout that game the way it did. Uh, but nonetheless, this is the team. And listen, the more they play, I think the, the more confidence they play with and the tougher that they're going to be down the stretch. Now, they have some tough games. You know, Alabama's a good team. Uh, and there are some other teams that are ranked in, in the in Auburn that are ranked in the uh, in the top ten in the SEC. Um, and Missouri will have to um, you know play its best to to a to be competitive in those games. But uh, in, in other words, to try to win those games, they're going to have to play the way that they played the last uh, two games against Illinois and uh, against um, Kentucky. There's a life lesson here with Kobe Brown because a lot of times when a, when a coach leaves. You just leave. Like you don't even worry about who the next head coach is going to be. You just you reopen your recruitment and you just leave. And uh, he didn't. And he he heard from Coach Gates. He made the decision to stay at Missouri. And it really feels like Coach Gates is good for him, and he's good for Coach Gates. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think with Kobe's background, with his father being excuse me <clears throat> being a basketball coach or his basketball coach. You know, I think Gates had those conversations with his family and saw something in Kobe uh, and spoke to him that he can elevate Kobe's game, you know, to a higher level. You know, to now he, he's a, certainly a first-team All-SEC performer uh, and could be a high-round draft pick uh, for the NBA if he continues uh, playing the way he has down the stretch and he's able to stay healthy. Um and I, I think that that energy and that production um, just, I think, ha- has really, you know, incited uh, this entire program. And, and hats off to Desiree Reed Francois. She had her eyes on Dennis Gates, um, you know, as she mentions, you know, from some time when she was at Virginia Tech and, you know, observed what uh, Leonard Hamilton was doing at Florida State and, you know, really did some research on Dennis Gates. And uh, I think it has paid off at least through the first, uh, you know, the first part of the, the season as you're going to SEC play. Um, so if she continues to get the kind of support that she needs, then, wow, she, she's she's going to earn a lot of respect as an athletic director 
uh, around the league, but uh, certainly uh, one that made a tremendous choice in hiring Dennis Gates as the men's basketball coach. Last question for you. Demetrius Johnson passing away earlier this week. He was so involved with Missouri. Coach Drinkwitz immediately sent a tweet out. He was a person who was uh, advising Luther Burden on so many things. Can you just speak to his impact on Mizzou athletics, not just from earlier, but even even today? Because he's somebody who was continuing to impact that program seemingly on an everyday basis. Yeah, you know, Demetrius and I go back to our high school days. Uh, he's a year or two younger than me, played at McKinley High School. Uh, when I was at Southwest, we made the uh, – my senior year, we made the all-metro team. Together. He was playing a linebacker. So he made the transition uh, from linebacker to uh, defensive back at Missouri and, and did it well enough to go on to uh, play in the NFL four years at Detroit and a year at Miami. Um but decided to come back to St. Louis and, and put his mark in the community. You know, grew up in the housing project uh, um, of St. Louis. And when you, when you see the struggles of, of families, especially one like his with a single mother that raised, I believe, eight kids, um, he wanted to use the fruits of, of his labor um, and give back to the community. And he did a fantastic job. Listen, we had our differences but in the end, it was all about respect. And, you know, once I found out that, uh, you know, he was hospitalized with serious um, condition, we were all there. You know, I, I stood up in spite of the differences uh, to help support his foundation, help support uh, his, his Christmas toy drive and his Christmas program that he does every year. And uh, needless to say, uh, days later, when we found out that he had passed away, um, it was a very it was a sad day. Yeah, and, and you think a guy that has done so many, um, you know, things to impact his community in positive way, feeding, feeding homeless, clothing the hungry. Um, it's hard to replace that type of, of spirit, and um, he's he's going to be missed in the community by uh, by certainly his his family and friends, but also from the the community at large. Um, so you know, my my sincere sympathies go out to. Uh, DJ's family and the, the people that were closest to him. Well, how I, I kind of sprung that on you. Thank you for your poignant thoughts. I really appreciate it. I encourage people to follow you on Twitter at uh, how underscore rich Howard. Thank you so much for your time. Have a very uh, happy new year and look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks again. And again, happy holidays, happy new year. Let May 2023 uh, be the best ever for, for all of us. I agree. Thank you. Howard Richards joining us here on Sports Open Line on KMOX. Appreciate him taking a moment or so with us. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to hear from SIUE men's basketball coach Brian Baroni. That program is rolling right now, and we'll get his thoughts on his team. That's next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. Matt Pauley with you as we continue to take you through this Friday evening, our final 2022 show, as uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Programming note for you, Monday, uh, because New Year's Day is falling on a weekend. Monday is technically our holiday. We will not have a live show on Monday, but uh, what we're actually going to have for you is a uh, year-in-review show. It's not 
specific to St. Louis sports. It's more of a national year in review show that I was able to uh, put together. It's actually going to take uh, three hours. So you're going to hear that from uh, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock on Monday evening. A lot of interviews, a lot of look back, things like that. So it's all going to be coming up on uh, Monday here on CAMWAX. I'll tell you what, SIUE basketball. They are rolling right now. Last night, they opened up conference play against Tennessee Tech, winning 64-51. Here's the numbers. They've won three straight. They've won nine of their last 11. They're 10-4 and four overall. The 10-4 and four record is their best at the Division I level. It is the earliest that they have won 10 games since the 0-4-0-5 team won their 10th game on December 19th. So we hear about all those numbers. We hear how well they are playing. So let's go ahead and bring in the head coach of the SIUE men's basketball team. It is Coach Brian Baroni. Coach, thank you so much for your time. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So I gave all those numbers about uh, all the wins your team is coming up with right now. How happy are you with the way your team's playing? Oh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Uh, winning's, winning's obviously a lot more fun than the alternative. There's no doubt about that. But the um, I like how our team is is coming together. Um, you know, I think we have a, a long way to go still, but but you know that's it's nice to have a long way to go while also having some um, you know success in the in the meantime. You talked yesterday after the game about it being a true league game and how teams had a hard time separating in the contest. What does change when you go from the non-conference into conference play? I, you know, I think one thing is just there's a certain, um, it sounds odd, but there's just a different vibe. There's just, a, you know, a knowing of the importance of, of every possession. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things. And then you start – um, you know, you, you play the game of, you know, this is a big game and you have a road game and then you, you can kind of project out a little too far. And, and it's so your mind wanders in the big picture when you need to really just focus on the immediate, which, you know, the, the next game and then each opponent, uh, you know, you're watching last year's game. You're sitting there thinking of, OK, what did they do last year that hurt us that they haven't done this year and, and vice versa? And you know, you're trying to play um, the what-if game a little bit because you know each other so well. So there's a definite different vibe overall going into conference. I'm not a coach. I just talk about sports on the radio. But if I was a coach, I think I'd be doing the thing a lot where I was trying to compare my teams maybe over a longer period of time, not one game to the next. It's hard to see that improvement always in such a short amount of time. You had two games on the non-conference that I think people really circled. Uh, the game at Missouri in mid-November and then the game against SLU uh, right there uh, a week ago or so uh, on December 21st. Can you compare who you were that night that you lost to Missouri and who you were that night you won to St. Louis and how much improvement there is during that period? Yeah, I mean, I think our, our mindset and, and just our approach and, and um, time on the court uh, was was the biggest thing. You know, we went into the Missouri game, um, who, by the way, I think is is better than people think mm-hmm. and, and originally thought, obviously, with what they have done as of late. Coach Gates has done a heck of a job. Um, but I think we just we went in there kind of just not knowing how to react to um, uh, each other in, in difficult situations. When a team's pressuring you, when, when things aren't going great, we, we just hadn't had that time together where we knew how to really uh, play with one another. And I thought over the, the, the weeks in between, and then you're down 18 at St. Louis, and there was a different, there was a different attitude and different kind of togetherness of, all right, 
you know, we know what we're capable of. We know we're not doing what we're, we, what we are capable of. So if we can get that uh, collectively together, put together, we, we can get back in this game. And I think that's probably the biggest thing between the Mizzou and the St. Louis uh, uh, games. This is a tough media market to kind of find your space when you think about the Cardinals and the Blues and then all the college, you know, whether it's Missouri, SLU, Illinois, the, the Missouri Valley teams that obviously have an alumni base in, in the St. Louis area. So you're sitting there and you're trying to win games, but you're also, there's recruiting battles. There's just, you know, making sure people are taking note of what you're doing. How important is that win against SLU to kind of making sure that people not, not know you exist, but I think you get what I'm saying, just getting yeah. that uh, attention that you deserve. Well, you know, it's important, obviously, in recruiting. It's nice because you're sitting there and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to project a vision that has never been done here. And, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to um, you know, sell what, what you want to do and what you believe you can do and what the guys on the, uh, that you currently have on the team and the additions that you want to make are going to be able to do one day. And, and, you know, we sat down and obviously with, the, you know, one of the first few people we had signed um, on top of the uh, Lamar and Shamar Wright, uh, you know, Rayshon Taylor, the next year was a local uh, person who put a lot of time and effort in getting to know and really had to explain what that vision was going to be and, and how, you know, we felt that he was going to be able to impact um, our team, our program, uh, along with this this community. And I, it was nice to, to be able to, to have that success against a team that, um, you know, is known in this area uh, more so than us. Uh, along with other, you know, we have Jalen Hodge who had played here locally. You have Cam Williams. You know, we signed Jordan Pickett, um, who, who's, who's a local guy as well. Um, so it, it's nice to do it with local talent along with people that, um, you know, have really come together and, and, and help build this thing over the last several years. I talked to you before the season got started or right at the beginning of the season, and we talked about the makeup of your roster and how you've got so many different guys who can go off at any moment. Four guys averaging double figures, five if you include uh, a player who's just under 10 in Lamar Wright. How nice has that been for you? You know, last night it was Jamar Wright who scores the, the 18 points. It really feels like it's playing out where it could be anybody on any given night. Well, it's nice because you know when when someone's game planning against you, um, you know they're, they're, there's very good coaching in this league, so they they can take away uh, some of your some of your weapons, some of your skill, um, and to have more than one option that can that can create a basket for somebody or go get a basket for themselves is is important because um, you know that's just that's just conference play. You're, you're sitting there, you're trying to you know pick your poison when you're trying to stop another team, and if you have uh, a lot of options. I think that it's 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 very helpful because on any given night you can have a, a Lamar Wright hit three threes uh, in the second half at St. Louis, shooting you know close to sixty percent up until last night. You got Shamar coming in. Obviously, Ray uh, can put the points on the board, and you got uh, Demarco Minor. So as you kind of go down there through there, um, it's been really it's been really helpful with our depth. We didn't have Dewan Pruitt for four games. We didn't have him for Bradley, Illinois State, Troy. Um, uh, going into into those games as well, so we've had a lot of different guys step up, which has been huge for us. Is it a nice benefit if you've got to play a road game on New Year's Eve that it's a afternoon game just a few hours away that you'll be able to get back and maybe do some things with the family uh, for a New Year's Eve night? We will be. I am sure after I watch um, the game uh, for the second or third time uh, <laughs> uh, that that evening for through whatever 
whatever uh, happy. Hopefully, it's happiness. Um, uh, and we will be on, I'm sure, Netflix, uh, trying to trick our kids that it's midnight mm-hmm. um, to do the, te- the 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 countdown from ten. They usually have a pretty a pretty good selection of cartoon characters, and we're gonna we're gonna trick our kids that it's midnight, hopefully, and get them to bed a little bit earlier, and then my wife and I can actually. Uh, have a conversation uh, and before the the next week of conference game starts up. It's a that's a lot of people don't know that that's on Netflix. You can uh, just start oh, the, uh, the. It's amazing. It's big time. Yeah. Or, or we'll just go to uh, a YouTube and you know New York from last year or something like that. And I, two of my kids are young enough to maybe maybe trick my other two. I just gotta I gotta maybe. I convince them that I'll, I'll give them something cool the next day or give them an extra cookie or something tomorrow. Last question for you. Is it weird when you get into league play, but you've got some new teams in the league where it's a league game, but in many ways, because they're just entering the league, you're not as familiar with them. So it's almost like you're preparing for a non-conference game. Yeah, that's a great observation. It's a great point. There's no doubt about it. You have obviously Lindenwood, Southern Indiana and Little Rock. Those are teams that you know about. I mean, just because you just know if you're, if you're a college basketball fan, um, but I don't know much about them. You know, now, you know, we watched obviously Southern Indiana last night when I was watching the SEMO game, uh, Little Rock. It, it is a little different vibe. It's kind of different. Um, but you already see, you know, Little Rock had a win last night. against a very good Tennessee Martin team. So they're fitting in, uh, you know, pretty nicely right away. All three of those teams, are, you know, it's a one point game and there was two wins with the two new, two other new teams. So I think by about a week from now, we'll be, uh, we'll be all going at it pretty aggressively and as if we knew each other for years past. He's Brian Baroni. His SIUE Cougars are having a heck of a season. We should be talking more about them. Coach, thank you so much for uh, the time. Have a happy new year, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again real soon. You as well. Thank you so much for having me. SIUE men's basketball coach Brian Baroni joining us here on Sports Open Line. Back at tomorrow, good regional matchup. They'll head down to Cape Girardeau for a game against uh, Southeast Missouri. Again, SIUE, they're 10-4, and 1-0 and in conference play. They've won three in a row, and they have won nine of their last 11. They're a legit team. And, um, you know, the night they played SLU, Coach Ford mentioned in his pregame conversation with Rammer that he would be surprised if SIUE did not win the Ohio Valley Conference. And so far, so good for Coach Baroni's team. We appreciate him uh, joining us, especially here on a holiday weekend as they get set to play in Cape Girardeau coming up tomorrow afternoon. One more break this hour. We'll come back and we'll uh, wrap up Hour 1 of the program in Hour 2. We'll have a couple more uh, guests. Stu Durando scheduled to join us to talk all things uh, Billikens basketball. Jerry Palm will join us as well from CBS Sports talk about the college football playoff. We'll hear from uh, Blues coach Craig Berube some of the comments he had from earlier in the day. That's all coming up at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Continuing on here on a Friday night, our final show in the 2022 calendar year. We will have um, St. Louis University basketball tomorrow afternoon. They are going to open up uh, conference play as they're going to be in action on the road they uh, they're out east and um, they they haven't played in a little while and there's they've got a challenge in front of them because that slew basketball team is good enough to be a tournament team but if if we're being very blunt about it they did not do their job in non-conference their job in non-conference was to come up with enough victories that if they don't win the A10 they would still get an at large bid that's in all like barring, I don't know, barring them going undefeated in A-10 play, 
and then losing in the championship game of the A-10 tournament. And even that might not be enough. Like The A-10 the to me looks very much like a one-bid league this year, which is they should they should be better than that. I mean, look, they're not a Power 5 conference. I get that. But they should be getting two, three teams in on a, on a yearly basis. And right, just you look at what the league did during non-conference. You look at what they did. I don't think there was a single win against a net top 50 team by the entire A-10 in league play. I keep going back to that game, and I get stuck on things. If you've listened to me much, you know that I just – I get stuck on the same stuff and I can't move by it. I get stuck on that Auburn game for SLU. I get stuck on that game, a game that they should have won, a game that they had no business losing. How about that? That's a, that's a, there's a difference between a game that you should have won and a game that you have no business losing. They had no business losing that game against Auburn. Not because Auburn's not good. They are but because that's the game where they go four for 14 at the free throw line. You lose that game going four for 14 at the free throw line. So then how does that impact you moving forward? And I am well aware of the fact that their next two games were wins, including a nice win against Southern Illinois, but they lost at Iona. They lost at home to Boise. They lost at home to SIUE. They got a good win against Drake in there. Again, I'm not trying to, not trying to pound them down. But I just wonder, like, to me, that Auburn game is the crossroads of the non-league. And how much different do those games look if they win that game against Auburn? Do they beat Iona? Eh, Iona's not bad, and they were on the road. Like, that's that's kind of a loss that I'm okay with. Do they beat Boise? Probably. Do they beat SIUE? Probably. I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like single games in non-conference play can have an impact that there can be a domino effect. And I have a hard time explaining why. Like it's not even one of those things. I've just it's just one of those things that you watch college basketball, you're familiar with college basketball long enough, and you know how when you come up with one of those great victories, and that would have been a great victory for SLU at Auburn. You come up with one of those great victories how it can really propel you. Now they had some great that that win against Memphis, that was a great victory. That was a really really good victory. But something about that Auburn loss it just continues to stick with me and if I could hop in the Sports DeLorean and go back and switch that Auburn game from a loss to a win, I would make the argument that that's not going to be the only L that turns to a W during non-conference play. My thoughts. Could be wrong. We'll never know. So they'll open up uh, league play tomorrow. They're in Philadelphia. They'll take on St. Joseph's. That is a noon tip-off tomorrow. So that means our coverage with Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. is going to uh, get underway just after 11.45 tomorrow morning. They are not going to play a home game again until next Saturday. So a week from tomorrow when they match up against St. Bonaventure after their game against St. Joseph's tomorrow, they will head to Amherst, uh, Massachusetts for a game against UMass. And that game is going to be coming up on Wednesday night. All right, uh, we will take a break. Hour number one of the program, it is in the books. Coming up in uh, hour two, we will hear from uh, Blues coach Craig Berube. He addressed the media earlier today at practice. We'll also hear from Jerry Palm. He is going to uh, join us in the second hour, as will Stu Durando from the Post-Dispatch. It's all coming up in the second hour at Sports Open Line. We're back after this here on KMOX. KMOX.